1: That's stamps.com. Code program.
2: This is the Cork Today replay
3: on C103 as we welcome you along to the final one of the week hoping we'll find each and every one of you in good form uh, this morning and we're hopeful that you can stay with us until one o'clock John Paul's taking your calls at 1850 333 103 you can text or WhatsApp as well to uh, 0862 103 103 and I want to start with a birthday request by saying happy 80th birthday to Leem Sheehan from Mallow uh, his birthday was uh, yesterday happy birthday to Liam and Liam Liam Sheen. of course will be well known for the many many years that he ran the fruit and veg shop uh, in Mallow that sadly is no longer the shop is unfortunately closed but happy birthday to you uh, Liam and I know you couldn't celebrate the way your family would want to have celebrated but listen when all this Covid is done and dusted no doubt there will be a big big celebration but Bernice who worked with you in the vegetable shop for 20 years was on to us to say would you say a big happy birthday to Liam so glad to do that happy birthday uh, to you and here's a little bit of good news to brighten up our January. I mentioned when I was talking to uh, Mark when I was teeing up the programme, I'm just one of those people if I was to pick one month of the year that I dislike the most, hate is too strong a word dislike the most, it's the month of January it just seems to be a dreary, dreary old month and the Christmas lights have been taken down and the house just seems to be so dull and the dark evenings are still with us and the dark mornings are still with us and I'm always glad when we get January, the month of January behind us and sure we're nearly halfway there now so that's a that's a little bit of good news, but households across the state are now going to receive two free Postage paid postcards from next week. And the idea from On Post this time round is to brighten up uh, January. The postcards are said to be delivered to, to houses, homeless hubs. They're going to go into nursing homes, to care homes. They're also going to be delivered to prisons nationwide. From January the 20th, they will be postage paid for delivery anywhere within uh, Ireland. The large format postcards will include one. With a printed design. And then the other one has a blank one for decorating. And I think if you've got any children in the household, they're going to love this. Maybe they could draw a picture on it for, for granny, or they could put stickers on it. Or if, as an adult, you're anyway creative or arty, you might while away an afternoon decorating your postcard. And POS said its first free postcard initiative. Remember, they did this back in March. They say it was hugely popular with customers during the first lockdown. So they've decided they're going to do it again. So on Post's commercial marketing director, lady by the name of Julie Gill, says as we continue to support each other by staying apart and staying home, it's the right time to send love to family and friends particularly those who are living alone. So keep a lookout for that from next week. You can expect the postman to be dropping off the free postcards and then up to you to decide who you are going to send your postcards uh, to. Now, when I was listening to the death notices there with Barry uh, today, and God knows there was a lot of uh, death notices uh, today or commiserations and our our sympathies to to the families. It's such a tough tough time for many families and I think because of the rituals surrounding funerals and removals and obviously because of COVID-19 we can't have them but I saw a priest from County Donegal has pleaded with people, not just in his own County of Donegal but all across the country, he's pleaded with people to stop attending funerals and gatherings outside of churches because he is fearful now that it's helping to spread the COVID-19 uh, virus. And I don't know how much of it is happening here in Cork. Our people are people turning out in large numbers? And they do it for all, God knows, they do it for all of the right reasons. Nobody deliberately goes along uh, long and thinking that they could go on to spread COVID-19. But I suppose if we all have to stop and think that we, all of us, could be carrying COVID-19, we all could be spreading it and that everyone we meet is infectious. If we can get that into our frame of mind, it does help you to keep away from people. But this County Donegal priest, a gentleman by the name of Father John Joe Duffy, said that while he appreciated it was a great custom to console the bereaved, he said people need to stop doing it and he said they need to stop doing it uh, immediately. He says he's seen time and time again that too many people were gathering outside of the church when a funeral was taking place. He said while the funerals are limited to close family members inside of the church, what's happening is many are gathering outside the church and they're doing it obviously to show their respects to grieving families. But Father Duffy has warned that this practice, despite being outdoors, is still helping to spread the deadly virus. He said he appreciates the long tradition it is to attend wakes, to attend a funeral mass or a service and to attend the burial. And he said we all know the comfort and the goodness and the kindness of those who have walked with us and stood with us on those many many sad days but he said it's plain to see that far too many people are attending cemeteries standing outside of churches and congregating and when they're congregating they're standing too close together he said he's seeing it at arrivals and removals of the remains at the churches he said this beautiful and consoling custom is no longer safe for the bereaved families and for all those attending. And Father Duffy said he'd often uh, witnessed too many people gathering too close together outside of the church. And he's just asking people to uh, stop. And as I say, I know people do it with the best of intentions. I don't know how widespread a problem it is here in Cork. And I know certainly in County Donegal is one of the counties that has really seen a massive surge in COVID-19 and they're caught with because they're on the border with Northern Ireland and they were starting to get infected when, when we had very low figures in other parts of the country. The one county that was standing out was County Donegal and at the time they were saying it was to do with people crossing over and back from Northern Ireland when Northern Ireland figures were still much higher than they were here in the south and then people were bringing it over the border into Donegal. So because of that, the figures in Donegal were always much higher but they have remained high even during this uh, third wave as well. So he's doing his best to speak up, to try to keep people safe. But as I say, how many people are turning up at funerals here, I don't know. But I know listening to our own death notices, you know, we constantly hear Barry say, you know, that, because of COVID-19 guidelines. It's only the families that can attend and you do hear on some of the announcements if people want to show their respects and line the route by standing out on the roadside but that's lining it and making sure that everybody is well spaced out. I don't think any family are encouraging people to gather outside the church or to gather outside the cemetery. So uh, please if you have done it in the past, don't do it again, particularly now when we're in this third wave. This is the most serious wave of uh, COVID-19 and report coming in that as many as 23 patients died this month and we were only at the 15th of uh, January and that was 23 patients who picked up COVID-19 while they were in hospital. They didn't go into hospital with COVID-19 but they picked it up while a patient in a hospital. There has been the. the HSE haven't named the hospital but there has been uh, some major outbreaks of the virus and half of the patients with COVID-19 caught it after admission with another illness and uh, those findings were announced alongside 28 more deaths reported yesterday bringing now the, the fatality toll for the disease to 208 for this month the youngest person who has died this month was 25 and the oldest was uh, 98. The, Ch- the Deputy Chief Chief Medical Officer Roland Glim last night warning we're in for very, very difficult days ahead as more people succumb to the virus in significant numbers. However, there are now growing fears that a return to the workplace in high numbers will jeopardise the slowing down of the spread. We've seen a slowing down of the positive cases in recent days. The figures are still very high, but they are, if you look at it on a graph, they are starting to go down. Philip Nolan, who tracks the virus, Uh, said that the daily number of new infections for yesterday was just under 4,000 but he said we are beginning to see a reduction in case numbers and they have he said been dropping quite sharply over the last couple of days and also people are reducing their contacts the average contacts now when somebody's contact traced is 2.3 so that's what's well down on what it was during the month of December but he says, Philip Nolan said it is essential we keep this up for long periods of time but the Google location data for January the 10th showed that the level of attendance at workplaces was at 50% and he says that's much higher than it was during the first uh, lockdown and the concern is that over next week people will be asked by their employer to go back into the workplace or other people will just start to drift back in. He said that is going to present a real risk to the suppression of the disease. He's appealed to employers to facilitate as many people as possible to work from home and has asked people to abide by the public health advice and that advice of course is where possible please work from home. If that does not mean, if that doesn't happen he said and people don't keep The reductions in their social contacts to the levels that they have been doing in the next week to 10 days and the decline in the numbers will not be maintained and we'll start to see them go up again. And then Dr. Ronald Glynn was asked about the possible reopening of schools from the 1st of February which when we were told the schools would be closed for January that's what Norma Foley was saying hoping to have them open by the 1st of February. Dr. Glynn said that while schools are very safe environments in themselves the issue was the high level of mobility that's generated In getting children to and from school, about a million people are on the move every morning and that's just getting the children in and the teachers and all of the other staff associated with it. So it's to do with the mobility of people rather than once they get into the school, they seem to be uh, quite safe. So he says, listen, we're going to have to see how the virus is spreading in the coming days before making any recommendations on education or he said on any other sector getting back to work. Struggling hospitals which are overrun with COVID-19 Patients' admissions have now, this was up to yesterday, it's probably even higher if I didn't check it out before I came on air today. But up to yesterday, 1,789, 169 of those described as being very ill because 169 are in intensive care. But everybody within the hospital sector are saying that that's not the peak. It's going to be another seven days before the hospital peaks and they're going to be under intense pressure for weeks because of the length of time it takes to treat the disease and somebody goes into hospital and from when they get admitted to hospital it can be 10 days before they actually need an ICU uh, bed and they are in hospital for many, many weeks. I mean the problem is it's the treatment we don't have a cure for covid-19 we can we can treat it but we can't cure it so people are going into hospital and the hospitals are just hoping with what they can do with the treatments that they have that the person will recover themselves if they don't they get worse then they need the icu a bed and then they're in there for many days and uh, weeks and that's and like they're saying now with the numbers that have been going into hospital across this week in 10 days they may need an ICU bed so the worst from a hospital point of view is yet to come. The expectation is they reckon that we could be at 600 to 800 COVID-19 patients at the end of the month with anything between 100 and 120 in intensive uh, care. The R number that's, uh, that's falling. Uh, we're, we've the R number now down to between 1 and 1.3 so that is welcome. Dr. Glin said, nobody was immune to the disease and one in three in intensive care is under the age of 65 and that is worth reflecting on. One in three under the age of 65 and I really hope that message gets out to people because there is that notion out there among certain age groups, particularly younger people. i sure if I get it, it'll only be like a bad dose of the flu. I'll be fine and for a lot of younger people, that's all it was. A few aches and pains, lost, lost, Sense of taste, sense of smell, little bit of a cough, but then they recovered and they were and they were fine. But you can't guarantee that you are going to be one of those people that's going to be fine. You could be, you could be in the one in three in intensive care at the moment under the age of sixty-five. And by the way, the UK variant of the disease, which is the one that is more infectious, uh, now makes up for more than half of all the all the cases in this country and is continuing to gain ground. But wasn't that expected when we heard about the UK variant and everybody? saying hopefully we can keep it out of our shores but we didn't lock down our ports we didn't lock down our airports and we knew it was inevitable that it was going to arrive on our shores and now over 50% of all cases are down to that UK strain. When I mentioned the on are going to give out the free postcards like they did back in the first uh, lockdown it's to brighten up at January a Cork City listener said Patricia on the postcard offer I'll be waiting a long time for them I never got those cards the last time round. <laughs> Oh, well, that's, that's, that's disappointing uh, to hear. We certainly had them delivered here at work. I had them delivered at home. Uh, we also had a number of listeners who are very kind. They sent us some of their free uh, postcards to cheer up our days back in the early lockdown. And I also saw them when I was in uh, my post office. They had sort of surplus ones on the counter that you could just uh, pick up as well. So I would suggest if you can spot your postman before he pushes the letters through your door, have a chat with your postman. But if you're anywhere near a post office. I imagine it'll be the same as the last time they will have them uh, as well. I want to talk about vaccines for a moment. Uh, we got the official figure on yesterday as to the number of people who were, have been administered vaccines so far. Well this was up to Wednesday of this week. 77,300 vaccines were given out. The breakdown for that 69,378 were for frontline healthcare workers while 7,925 were residents in Staff in long term care facilities. And then yesterday, the first clear timeline for the rollout of COVID vaccines to the entire population has been revealed, with the expectation. Fingers crossed that everyone who wants the vaccine will be inoculated by September of this year. Now, under the new timeline, three categories of people will have received their vaccines by the end of March. There'll be all of the residents and staff in nursing homes, all of the frontline healthcare workers and anyone over the age of 70. They're going to be done by the end of March. Then the next one is going to be April, May, June, the next three months. So by the end of June, all other healthcare workers, those aged between 55 and 69, key workers and those in crowded environments, and also those with chronic illnesses, they're going to be in the second wave up to the end of June. And education workers, by the way. So that's all your teachers and your SNAs and all the admin staff inside in schools. They will be in that group between um, up to June. And then the final three groups will be essential workers in less crowded environments. At those aged between 18 and 54, those under the age of 18 and pregnant, they will all be vaccinated by September. Now, that's the timeline a lot of that is predicated on when the vaccine started to arrive. I mean, the To Delia Varadkar has said the approval of the AstraZeneca vaccine, which they're expecting approval of that by the end of uh, January, that will really enable Ireland to ramp up the number of vaccinations. We're doing 500 at the moment a week now and that will bring it up to over a thousand a week in February. So it's once they get the go ahead for that. But that's the basic timeline because we've every day we've got people contacting us saying, have we any idea? And, you know, I'm, I'm looking after my parents they're over 70 or I've got some kind of a condition when, when can I expect to get it so that's the kind of the timeline that they're looking at at the moment that's not going to make everybody happy I, I, I straight away uh, can imagine teachers are going to be very annoyed that they're not going to get it in the, sec- the first distribution of it which is from now until the end of March they're going to be left in the, in the second group I think they're going to buck over that also disappointed to see the carers are not even mentioned I assume that anybody caring for older people at home special needs uh, children or adults. I thought they would have been in the group. They're not mentioned either. Uh, but that's, that's the timeline at the moment. Will that change? It may. But of course, the big game changer is going to be when we get enough vaccines into this country. And actually, talking of the tarnished Elia Varadkar, who, of course, in a previous life, is also trained as a doctor, and he still is uh, a doctor, as yes, he did, remember back in the first wave, he went in and did a, a shift, didn't he? Inside, was it in a doctor's practice? He did a shift. Anyway, I was it inside the hospital. I can't remember, but but he he donned his scrubs and and went back in and worked as a doctor. And he yesterday offered to make himself available for vaccine uh, clinics. Uh, he said if they get to a situation that they need doctors at vaccine clinics and he said he certainly would be available to uh, to to do that. So you can imagine going in to get your vaccine and it's the city of Radker is giving it uh, to you yeah, what people uh, would feel about that. There also seems to be, I'm slow to say vaccine envy, but it does seem to be a little bit like like that, particularly when it comes to various... At uh, hospitals and different health care uh, settings. And there's a lot of rage on behalf of people when they hear, like we were talking earlier on in the week about One Cork Hospital, we just couldn't find out the name of the hospital, that in the first week of vaccinations, they gave out six times more vaccinations to senior management than they did to frontline staff. And that caused great annoyance for a lot of people. And in today's papers, there's a lot of annoyance. About the fact that the Beacon Hospital, that's the hospital that's owned by Dennis O'Brien, that staff at the Beacon Hospital were vaccinated this week. And the Beacon Hospital was, I think, the only hospital, but certainly one of the private hospitals who had refused to sign a deal to give the HSE extra beds and then all of the staff at the hospital were this private hospital vaccinated this week. Now, the reason it seems forward is the Beacon Hospital has, has now been, uh, is going to be used as a max vaccination centre. But Paul Reid, who is the chief executive of the HSE, he said he had huge concern uh, about the fact that the Beacon didn't sign up for the government's private health private hospital deal and he said it is to be frank at odds with the fact that we don't have agreement currently with Beacon Hospital and the fact that they got the vaccine he said it was a concern for him and then it's understood that there's significant anger among private hospitals that did sign bed capacity deal with the government over their decision to designate the Beacon as a mass vaccination clinic. The other private hospitals thought they were doing the right thing by signing the deal and now they're said to be furious to see that the Beacon staff got the vaccination ahead of their healthcare workers so there is a bit of vaccine envy going on out there for sure but I suppose Neffet and the Department of Health will take comfort from the fact that so many people are desperate to get the vaccine that they're almost fighting now and pointing out why are they getting ahead of me? So, that certainly, from a vaccine point of view, is good news. 1850 333 103. John Paul, taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103
2: 103. Court today on C103
4: with McCroom Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See McCroomMotors.com
3: front page of this week's Corkman newspaper leads with a story by Bill Brown that local people in the Duhallow area are confused to learn that another planning application has been lodged for a crematorium on the site of the former Duhallow Park Hotel because former applications have been rejected. Joining me, North Cork Councillor John Paul O'Shea. Good morning to John Paul.
5: Good morning Patricia and good morning.
3: And you are welcome to the programme. Were you surprised uh, to hear of this new planning application lodged for a crematorium on the exact same site?
5: I was indeed, uh, but you know, it, it, it does happen where planning uh, applications do come back in. Um, but I suppose specifically on the crematorium in the in the site of the former Doha Park Hotel, um, you know, that application came in in 2018, and there was significant concern locally uh, at that time in relation to I suppose the consultation that happened uh, with the county council, with the local community in relation to the um, uh, erection of such a, a, a building uh, like a crematorium, as the. When I spoke with you previously on this, I mean, the only crematoriums we have in the country are located alongside the sea in Ring in County Clare and in Dublin. And I suppose there's significant concern in the locality in relation to, I suppose, having a crematorium inland. And I suppose that was the reason why it was refused back in 2019, was the County Council and the Planning Authority was not satisfied um, that the proposed development would adversely impact on public health. Um, and to our surprise, again, um, last week, we noticed that uh, an application had been resubmitted. And to my knowledge, there has been no consultation with the local community, no consultation with us as local representatives. And um, so we're back in the very square one where we were.
3: And resubmitted, is it the very same application?
5: Uh, well I suppose the application is just in British, and it takes uh, I suppose a week or so for it to be uploaded onto the onto the planning file and the planning app so we haven't seen the full details at the moment okay. uh, but it seems to be like from the wording of the planning it's the, sa- it's the very same application
3: But um, nothing's changed in the area from when th- the first one was turned down
5: And nothing has changed uh, in, to my knowledge in the application either they're looking for the same size crematorium, uh, the same output etc. Et et so as I said I just, uh, we, we we just wonder as public representatives and we wonder as the local community because I've spoken to many uh, people in the local community in the last number of days when the word got out that this application had been submitted again um, why didn't uh, the company that is applying for this planning why didn't they consult with the local community given the amount of I suppose anxiousness and confusion that was there in 2018 I'll just give one quick look at the last application uh, this morning on the planning app and there was over 60 observations and uh, submissions made at that time and I think that's a significant amount. And I think the company that, that is applying for this has made a, a very bad error of judgment from very first day by not communicating.
3: With the and did community. they? And did they? When the first application went through, was there any consultation at that time?
5: Absolutely not. Again. No. And I think that is misfortune.
1: That's a because, real shame.
5: You know, producer, like if you were going building a house um, yourself you would, uh, on a site, you would talk to the neighbour next door saying I'm putting in a planning application and uh, just to let you know. Uh, on significant um, you know, planning applications like, say, for commercial buildings or for wind farms, etc., there's always a pre-consultation period with the developer in relation to getting the community on board, making sure that they're, I suppose, aware of the plans that come in. But the community here in Bantir and Kenturk, which are stuck in the middle of this Uh, Now, I've got no consultation whatsoever. They're waiting for the County Council to upload the documents onto the planning app so they can see what exactly is in front of them. Um, so that's why there is huge confusion again uh, this week that a company as large as this would submit an application without any consultation uh, with the community, just beggars belief.
3: And the County Council refused the application. I'm right in saying it, it, it was appealed to on board Penola, wasn't it, as well, by the company?
5: It was, and uh, and uh, on the basis of that, it was refused as well. And I think it was just based on, uh, there's one reason why, it, and it's, it's that they weren't convinced that the proposed development would uh, adversely impact on public health and the environment. By reason, by reason of serious air pollution. So I think, you know, um, the company, in fairness, should have come back to the local community and should have said, look, there's concerns here. They've been weighed out by the planning authority, which is an independent authority, Patricia, and they need to, I suppose, convince us as locals now that there isn't um, uh, a serious air pollution um, crisis here. And the reality is, is we don't ha- have any idea um, what is included in, that, in those reports that have been submitted to the local authority? And it's a very worrying time uh, for the local community at the moment.
3: How are local people reacting to this news, Jumbo?
5: Well, I'm, I'm inundated with, with the amount of people that have contacted me, Patricia, uh, saying that I cannot believe that an application uh, m- very similar to the last application has been submitted uh, without any consultation. And I made a, I'm one of those people who made a submission the last time, Patricia, because I felt um, as the local representative. Um, it is hugely important for any developer to do a pre-consultation with the local community. And there was no consultation with me as a local representative or with the local community uh, prior to the last application. And the same thing has happened again. So, like, if you were to look at this from the outside in, you would say that um, the the applicant uh, doesn't have any um, rationale or doesn't have any reasons to... Uh, consult with the local community which is very disappointing mm-hmm.
3: Absolutely well, By the way what would local people like to see done at that site?
5: Oh well when I spoke to you the last time Patricia there was actually a live planning application uh, which had been granted and it was coming up to the ex- ex- extension of the term for a hotel um, on the farmer on the site of the former to Hollow Park Hotel yeah. and that planning only ran out in 2018 in August 2018. And there was a planning commission for a 32 bedroom hotel plus the number of chalets around uh, the outskirts of the property. And, you know, I've been on your programme and several other uh, commentators have been on your programme saying that we don't have any uh, uh, hotel um, from Mallow right back towards Killarney Mm. uh, by the Wallace Arms and Mill Street. And there is a huge need For accommodation and for to boost our tourism potential here in North Cork, and I suppose we did have it's a brownfield site in in the site of the former Duhalla Park Hotel. Uh, They had uh, applied for uh, to rebuild a hotel on the site. Um, They had a trouble in getting it. They eventually got the planning, and they they didn't uh, build it. And I don't know where this idea of a crematorium uh, landed, Um, but this is what we're dealt with now.
1: Yeah,
3: and you know, I know there's, there's no tourism at the moment, but I mean, this this too will pass and tourism will come back. And I think we'll come back with a vengeance when people are all finally allowed to travel and, and get, it, get out and about. It will be a great time to put a hotel in there now.
5: Absolutely. And I, I mean, you know, going back in the years, I just live a couple of miles from it. And going back in the years, this, this is a very, very busy hotel yeah. with the former Isla Guy, it was called it initially. Yeah. Then it was the Duvala Park Hotel. And there was many weddings and family occasions at that uh, hotel site that people cherish. And I suppose people were looking forward to having a hotel in the vicinity again. And as I said, we we're based on the, the main Mallow Canary Road. And when you leave Mallow, well, you have to go all the way to planning before you find Yeah, um,
3: I have many fond hotel. memories of many a great night in the Dohalla Park. As it was always a great, great hotel. OK, what's the timeline then uh, for, for this planning application, uh, John Paul? Yes,
5: yeah, so my understanding is that it, the planning files will be uploaded this week and, and they have until, I think, uh, the middle of February to make submissions on this. So I know, I know a number of residents have contacted me uh, looking for the files to be uploaded. And obviously there's a, there's a small delay in the County Council position because we're all working remotely at the moment in relation to uploading those files, but I've been assured that those files will be uploaded on the computer today um, and they will be able to, to be viewed publicly uh, on the system over the weekend. And I would encourage people, that anybody, um, whether it's positive or negative, uh, to make submissions uh, to the County Council on this um, and I suppose to make sure that they look at the application and to see what differences is compared to the 2018 application.
3: And when you say positive or negative, was there any positive feedback the last time Did, was there anybody looking for us to open there
5: well out of the 61 submissions they were all negative were they okay. um, so as I said um, but like I, I, I've no um, you know um, you know grievance in anybody that wants to make a positive submission either this is the whole opportunity in relation to making a planning application. It's an independent planning authority, um, and I suppose all submissions are welcome. And certainly, I said, it, um, and I say it again, like it's a brownfield site. I would like to see development on that site, but I certainly think my submission says, uh, in 2018, and I and I stick with that that I would prefer that a hotel be built on this site uh, to accommodate for the needs of the tourism industry in Knockark.
3: Okay, and in a couple of minutes, we're going to we're going to be told about the fact this uh, today. The is the Final day for the public consultation for the proposed M20 that concludes today. Yes. Yeah. Uh,
5: uh, Yes, indeed, Brishan. I said, like, you know, there's been. Um, I suppose significant um, consultation and that in the last number of months and it's something that I suppose your programme has been talking about for many, many years is the development of the M20 so uh, I know there's been good consultation I know there's been a lot of submissions in so fingers crossed that uh, I suppose that people uh, get the opportunity to have their voice heard and that's what it's all about Yeah,
3: it's consultation it's consultation consultation. yeah, absolutely
5: and and I suppose it has been quite restrictive in terms of uh, the pandemic Um, usually there would be you know uh, public meetings public meetings in hotels open days in hotels where you come in and see the the plans for a stay but they have developed a very good website corklimaric.ie that that, um, I suppose gives you a lot of information uh, about it
3: all right. thank you for that John Paul and keep safe we'll talk again bye bye that is Northcourt Councillor John Paul O'Shea on a crematorium how could we have a crematorium on that site when we're not even allowed to burn household rubbish uh surely there would be an uh, an environmental impact from it says a listener and then a number on our Facebook page, Eileen, to see one o three on Facebook says, "I hope this crematorium does go ahead, as Skiddy is beautiful, but it's too far away." I don't know where Eileen is from. Noel says it's a beautiful area; it would suit a lot of people from Cork and Kerry, as Skiddy is beautiful as well, but it's not suitable for people in North Cork or people across the Kerry border. Uh, Killett said it would be a great boost for jobs and local businesses. She's in favour of it, and Amory uh, feels Heatherside Hospital. Would be an ideal location for a crematorium. 1850 333 103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103.
2: Court today on C103
4: with McCroom Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See mm-hmm. McCroomMotors.com.
3: And as I just mentioned there with Councillor Jean Paul O'Shea today is the final day for people to submit objections to the proposed M20 Cork-Limerick motorway. Deirdre Hosford is the spokesperson for the No to M20 Navy Route Group and she joins me in advance of today's uh, deadline. Good morning to you Dee. Morning, Trisha. How are you? I, I'm very well and you're welcome to the programme. I, okay, you. can you start by just reminding listeners of the Navy route and what areas would be most effective if that was picked as the route for the M20?
6: Okay, so um, the Navy route actually runs all the way from Limerick to Cork. It's, it's a, a whole line the whole way down. The, this, the specific piece that we're speaking about runs from Tweedmount, which is outside Blarney, up through Coolowen. Um Menard, uh Stoneview, Slubbercross, uh Tullig and all out there. Just sort of so between Blarney and Rat Duck, that section is specifically what we're talking about.
3: And how would it impact the area?
6: It would decimate our area, Patricia. It wouldn't just impact it, it would absolutely decimate it. I mean we're a small rural community Um, And I mean, they're talking about putting a motorway running right through the middle of it. It affects our connectivity to to Blarney, to schools, to, you know, facilities. Um, It affects, you know, our health. It, It affects so many areas. But I suppose what's very, very important, Patricia, to point out is we're not objecting for the sake of objecting we're very much aware that this is is the long-term 2040 plan for the Atlantic Corridor to link Cork to Limerick to Galway to Dublin, you know, that we have this road network. We're not against change. We're not against anything like that. We're not against... What we are against is this motorway carving our community into... I mean, our parish is Blarney, Whitechurch and Waterloo. And they're talking about putting a motorway right down through the middle of it. And our, our view very much is there are other viable options with minimal impact to people's homes, agriculture and business that can be explored and done at a fraction of the taxpayer's cost as well. And we feel that they need to be looked at. We're, so we're not just opposing it for the sake of being awkward. There are very valid reasons. We have people whose farms will be cut in four. We have people whose farms will be no longer viable. We have people who will have their homes um, CPO'd, which is compulsory purchase order. So the state will buy their homes and they
3: have no say in it. they lose their home. And would these you know? be people who perhaps have lived in the area for many years, maybe for generations of some families? Generations?
6: Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's there's, really hard. Family, there's four generations. of This is the fourth generation and, and they're talking about putting a, you know, a motorway right over their home. So I mean that's the personal aspect of it. And and plus, you know, um there's a lot of talk of oh but you'll be compensated and they will bring a motorway to the boundary of your property and you will get no compensation.
3: Well, but only, but be told to live in a house that, that yeah, the boundary like has motorway. there is
6: one house on on my road that will be fifty four meters from a motorway with no compensation because it's not encroaching on their land. And that's something that's very important for people to know. And that's why I was anxious to speak with you today, Patricia, because today, as you say, is the last day for submissions. They have to be in by four o'clock today. Um, you know, so your thoughts are being taken on by the engineering team. And, like, we want people to know that, like, there are large sections of, between now, we'll say, Blarney and Mallow where you can't get planning permission until a route is chosen mm, mm. because there's the Green Route and the Navy Route so you can't get planning permission anywhere within those 500 metre corridors the In case the, the, route the is motorway,
3: and motorway ends up there, yeah. And yeah. like, okay, there is already a road between yeah. Cork and uh, Limerick. It mightn't yeah. be the best in, in some mm-hmm. places. Is, yeah. Are you saying, is your group saying, look, why not look at the existing road and see... If it could be upgraded, because obviously that would be a much cheaper option.
6: A hundred percent, Patricia. Yeah, so there is an option on, on it. It's a little bit technical, so I won't go too much into it, but basically it's called T2. And that would be pretty much using the existing road and upgrading it to dual carriageway from Blarney to Mallow and opening up from Mallow. Now, that's a very simplified version of what that is. But essentially, that's what it is. And we are saying, surely be to God, the N20 needs to be upgraded anyway. We all know that. So the infrastructure is there. Use what's there. It's going to cost a whole lot less money to do that. Nobody's house will be impacted. Nobody's, um, you know, land will be impacted to the extent that it would be if they were to put a motorway either way. So while we're saying, we personally are saying, look, we're no to Navy. Like, we're really no to no motorway. There are other viable options that will be much better and they need to be looked at. Now, we have spoken with the engineering team quite extensively recently. And, you know, we've mobilised quite quickly as a community before Christmas. And we've, they've been amazing. They've, you know, gone off and got these amazing signs printed up. We have a WhatsApp group with over 200 members. We have a Facebook group with over 350 members. I've started an online petition with now over 1,300 signatures on it against this. So,
3: I mean, they're going to have a fight on their hands. Has it been, has it been, you've you've done remarkably well, because I imagine very difficult to mobilise with the COVID-19 restrictions. You you can't have a big public gathering that you would normally have for something like this.
6: Exactly, so that is part of the consultation phase. In no, it will say normal times that there would be these, you know, in the community centres and everybody comes and airs their views, which is obviously impossible because of COVID. So everything we've had to do is online, and, and as well, that's a huge issue for some people who wouldn't be um, computer literate, yeah, older yeah, people, yeah. and they like, a,
3: "How it, do I work this?" So okay, so four, so, so four, four o'clock today. Where where do yeah. people send submissions to? Uh, submissions and email will suffice to info
6: at courtlimerick.ie and just literally pop in your air code tell them where you are and tell them that you are objecting to the route and just give your personal reasons why you are they need to be in by 4 o'clock today okay. the next Part of what happens next, Patricia, is that we go into the phase where the engineers choose a route. So they will come up with a preferred route before summer of this year. So they're saying roughly July. And after that, then, once the route is picked, it's picked. There is no swaying them. And that's why it's so important that everybody get on Info at info@corklimer.ie and make sure that your order is in. This All right, we'll, we'll speak
3: today. we'll speak again uh D in the meantime. Thank you for that and thanks for joining Manny us. Thanks. Good morning Thank to you. you. That is uh, Deirdre Jerhosphert who is a spokesperson for the No to the M20 Navy Route Group.
2: Court today on C103 with Macroom
4: Motors leading the way for Toyota Hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota,
3: see macroommotors.com. Some of your thoughts coming in. Firstly on uh, vaccination, still getting texts in and I think there hasn't been a day since Christmas where we haven't had a text in. What about Home Helps? Uh, when will we be getting the vaccine? And then a nurse contacted the programme speaking to John Paul. Uh, the, Noreen, um, thank you for your call Noreen. Noreen is a nurse who works for as with the Home Help teams and she does it via agencies. It's not through the HSC and she spoke with one, just one Home Help yesterday who had carried out 11 calls just yesterday alone caring for people, that meant that that one lady went into 11 Different homes; nobody in the in the houses have been vaccinated, and she herself, as the home help, had not been vaccinated uh, either. And Noreen says, "I feel that they should be vaccinated soon, as all the talk seems to be about HSC workers, but there's no talk about agency workers. The agencies should be contacted as well and spoken to about the rollout of the vaccine." Noreen said she's asked her own boss, and they've heard nothing at all. Uh, why all the talk about ho- and as to when home helps will get the vaccine? It seems to be about HSC employed. Home helps and not agency staff, says uh, no. Well, I don't think, I haven't heard of any HSE home help being vaccinated uh, yet. Uh, certainly, a number of the home helps that are contacting us are HSE uh, staff. I mean, looking at the breakdown and the timeline, the three categories for vaccinations are the ones they've already started on, the ones the frontline staff inside in hospitals and the residents and staff in nursing homes. Um, but, but they're saying also included in this first group, which is going to run until the end of March. It's, it's frontline healthcare workers and I absolutely think Home Helps are frontline healthcare workers. How else would you describe them? They're healthcare workers and they're working at the frontline because they're out there in the community. I definitely am hoping that they are in that group that will be vaccinated before the end of March. Failing that, they're in the second group, which then will kick off from the 1st of April, which is all other healthcare workers workers. So unless they're going to be put in, in that group on the 1st of uh, April, uh, we're endeavouring to try to find out as well when when home helps themselves get identified and get, get named. Uh, other than what we're hearing about frontline healthcare workers and then all other healthcare workers, do they come into all other healthcare workers? Uh, we'll have to wait and see. Okay, huge reaction to our piece with Dee uh, Hosford talking about the today being the last day public consultation for, for the proposed M20 Cork to Limerick Uh, Motorway concludes uh, today. Let me give you some of the thoughts coming into the uh, programme. Note the Navy route the current N20 is one of Ireland's most dangerous roads. It's m- much needed improvements. They are a must regardless of the route choice. Safety is a huge concern on this route. Note the Navy corridor route though. Upgrade the existing green route instead says this texter. And then Patrick says Patricia listening to you talking about the Navy route could you please pass on the details of that lady you spoke to. The lady it was D Hossford I'd like to be included in their WhatsApp group because the Navy route will impact me significantly and I'm going to get John Paul to get on to D and uh, sort out connecting Patrick with D. Thank you for that, uh, Patrick. Someone else says no to the Navy route. Strong consideration must be given to the fact that a reasonable alternative option is available. One where identification and appraisal works have already been done. Many thanks to Dee Hosford and her committee for their Trojan work in such a short period of time. But then there's just one in the middle who's against what Dee was saying people are looking for houses this group have blocked a housing development in Blarney for the second time says a texter. Someone else says why are the government building a motorway on new land it doesn't make sense to me all the farms and the farmers li- livelihoods will be destroyed uh, some, so some livelihoods will be destroyed so somebody can get, get there a few minutes quicker question mark says a texter Sinead is also against the Navy route she says as Dee had says upgrade the existing N20 is the way to go millions of euro will be wasted in this time of economic uncertainty if a motorway is built simply upgrade the existing road save people's homes their livelihoods and also at the same time you'll save the exchequer a lot of money that is from Sinead and then by text Dennis says get back to Deirdre's talk on the radio in the note, the Navy route. My farm will be divided into four parts. It has already been divided by the old Mallow Road. I'm going into agriculture next year. I've based all of my subjects in school on the hope of going into agriculture. The farm is very much a family farm. It's been passed down through the family, the fa- the." It's been passed down through the family. The farm has been in our family since the time of the famine. Oh my God, says Dennis. Says, uh, thank you for that, Dennis. And his is the farm that obviously Dee spoke about that will get divided into four parts, which technically does not make that farm uh, viable. And one final one from Michael 25 years ago, they built the N20. And that done untold damage to farmhouses and businesses. And now they want to do it all over again. We say stop. And the money seems to be no object. But remember, and please remind your listeners, it is the listeners will be paying for this along with their children and their grandchildren because that motorway is going to cost a lot of money. 1850 Then on um the cremation that we spoke about with John Paul O'Shea and the fact that the crematorium, the proposal for a crematorium in the Tohala Lodge Hotel, people thought that that planning was done and dusted when it was turned down. And now we're after hearing that a new application has been lodged with the uh, council. Somebody says, uh, hi, Patricia. No, not when we're talking about air pollution, there's no mention to it being so close to the worst crossroads in the country it's a couple of hundred meters as the crow flies to a crèche and to a national school no one in the bantier community wants this the environmental emissions are horrendous from sulphur sulphur dioxide and nit- nitrogen oxides etc and it is the air pollution that people seem to be so uh, worried about and actually in in refusing permission for the facility back in 2019 the planners of Cork County Council said that on the basis of the information submitted by the group who want to build the crematorium the council wasn't satisfied that the proposed development would not adversely impact on public health and the environment by reason of serious air pollution and then of course the Group who are trying to build it, they then appealed to onboard Pinola, but on board Pinola also threw it out so that's why people think are scratching their heads. they can't believe when they you know started to hear that there is a new uh, a new planning application gone in. 185333103. Other thoughts uh, coming in to us some of your texts. Uh, this is on special needs schools, and we are hearing um, that there will be a Where is it? It's a phased return. okay. There is going to advocacy groups representing students with additional needs in their carers have welcomed a timeline for a phased return to school for primary students with special educational needs and it'll be from Thursday of next week. The move will see small groups of children In special schools, children in special classes and children with significant additional needs in mainstream primary schools return on a phased basis. However, arrangements have yet to be put in place for post-primary students but it's looking like a phased return from next uh, Thursday. I was watching this online yesterday as this news uh, broke. A lot of parents, because they have been they feel and they know they've been so let down in the past they're holding their breath saying well let's wait and see what's going to happen. I saw one mother uh, on the news saying she's two children with special needs and she said I'm not even telling them that there's a possibility that they're going back to school next Thursday because so many families have been led to believe that schools were going to reopen for special needs children on Monday but of course that uh, didn't happen so people are still very nervous about wondering will it go ahead and then you'll have staff who are nervous about returning to the classroom and one of them have contacted us this morning. Patricia I am an SNA in a special school School and I'm just so worried about the thought of going back to school next Thursday. How can we social distance from the children that we work with? We have to peg feed our children. Also, intimate care needs. Also, they're telling us ventilation. Has Norma Foley any idea of the settings of these schools? I also have to care for my elderly parents living at home. How can I come home to them with the fear of bringing the virus back with me? This is such a stressful time. Norma needs to live in. In the real world. Get us the vaccination ASAP. And I think a number of people who are nervous about returning when you're in a situation like that and when you've got elderly people to look after will say maybe the vaccination is the answer and that's why I was surprised when I saw the timeline for the vaccinations. teachers, And those working in education, which would include that, SNA has contacted us uh, as well, are in the second group. They're not going to be vaccinated before the end of March. It's going to be between 1st of April and the end of June before the education workers will receive the vaccination. So I don't know if that's something that Minister Foley might look at because I don't know how many SNAs are going to be in a situation like that because I'm assuming you can refuse to go back in if you're nervous about it. I mean would you then go out on a a pandemic payment if you're not available for work because you're nervous about going in. I don't know how that actually uh, operates but only time will tell but let's wait and see how the schools are going to reopen, what numbers are going to be in and everything will be done of course to protect both the staff and and the children But, but I can absolutely can sense your concerns. Can I just on the whole subject of the special needs was totally shocked yesterday to see here Josefa Madigan who is the uh, junior minister with responsibility for special education. She was answering questions in the doll. Now it was relating to this topic of the phase reopening of schools next week and she said and this is a quote from Josepha Madigan Minister of State for Special Education. So her department is working with special education and she said, I quote, we all know that even for normal children, remote teaching is difficult. But for children who have additional needs, it is particularly difficult. Now, obviously, when she used the term normal children, it caused uproar. She did come out afterwards in fairness to her. She says, I sincerely apologise for my language. She said, I'm, I misspoke and it was absolutely not what I meant to say. I'm committed, she said, to supporting young people with special education needs and uh, their families. But it has just caused such offence and upset to so many people. I mean, I even saw the head of education at the the Trade Union, who represent actually the majority of the uh, SNAs, condemn the minister's language and they uh, they made the point. There are no normal or abnormal children, they're just uh, children, all of whom have different and some of it have uh, additional needs. And Linda Comerford, spokesperson for disability campaign group enough is enough, said every uh, every voice counts, says the comment was simply unacceptable. Now, as I say, she did come out. And uh, but I was shocked I could not believe that it was said I, I really I thought it was one of those fake news stories uh, when I saw it first three, one, zero, three. when I mentioned the Donegal priest saying that we need to reduce the numbers that are turning up to funerals he's saying people are respecting the numbers inside in the church were very limited to that is it 10 can only go to a funeral now a family funeral now but he was saying it's the numbers that are gathering outside the church and he's also not noticed those numbers gathering when at the removal when the remains are coming to the church there's big crowds outside and he said there's also big crowds outside of cemeteries when the burial is taking place and he's just saying to people please the message is stay at home and there's so many other ways that you can pass on condolences to somebody you know you can send a card write a letter you can pick up the phone you can send a text there's lots of online forums now where you, like rip.ie where you can leave your condolences as well and I know people have all of the best intentions but you're putting yourself and everybody else at risk by gathering in large crowds and I was wondering like he was saying it was happening in Donegal but he issued his plea to the entire country and I was wondering are many people here in Cork noticing crowds gathering at funerals the listener said there are massive crowds gathering at funerals. So I was coming from work one day and there was at least a hundred people in the churchyard. The one thing this listener noticed was no social distancing going on. Everybody was standing around having a great chat there in groups of people and there wasn't a member from Garda corner in sight and, and that's what will happen because we're all staying at home and you're not getting out meeting as many people as we did in the past. Any opportunity you get to meet, it will lend itself to people standing and having chats with somebody that they mightn't have seen for many, many weeks and then therein lies the problem and that's what the priest Father Duffy from Donegal was talking about. There is a great chance that these settings um, will go on to spread the virus. Please stay at home. 1850 333 103, lines open. C103 Jobs O'Callaghan Motors in Cantor, they've got a vacancy for a qualified or nearly qualified motor technician. DPD, they're looking for a warehouse supervisor. It's for their little island depot. While Cronin's Hardware in Ballylicky, they've got a vacancy for a retail sales assistant and a general operative. And general farm workers and relief milkers are required and that's to work uh, across County Cork. You will find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103.
2: Cork today on C103.
4: With McCroom Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See
3: Now, a new policy has been introduced by Cork County Council to standardise roadside memorials to loved ones who've died in tragic car crashes across county. County Cork. Joining me to discuss the new bylaws at West Cork Independent Councillor Declan Hurley. Good morning to you Declan. Good morning Patricia and happy new year. And many happy returns. Now nobody wants to cause upset to grieving families so just explain why the council felt the need to introduce these new bylaws.
7: Yes Patricia and and to be clear this policy is not in no way counting down on roadside memorials and it's not about banning uh, flowers or soft toys or um, personal artefacts. This policy is to safeguard um, bereaved families, members of the public, who wish to visit a roadside memorial where a fatality has taken place. We all know the dangers, the potential dangers that roads have, and particularly they always happen uh, in a dangerous stretch of road and families thereafter wish to erect some sort of memorial just to, I suppose, acknowledge that. And sometimes these can be very dangerous stretches of road and we we recognise that Families need to do this. It's part of the grieving process. And in doing so, we want to support families uh, by, if they so wish to erect uh, a roadside memorial, that it can be done so in a safe manner and in a safe location where families and next of kin can come back and visit that location. It's, in a safe manner, plus that those memorials do not, I suppose, distract um, um, motorists themselves who are driving along. Uh, I'll give you an example. If there's reflective stickers or if there's candles flickering at night time, they can distract a motorist if they're not familiar with the road mm. and that, that splits in Um if you get distracted you could just hear off and it could, it could cause another potential. And,
3: and no no grieving family would certainly uh, want that or want to be the cause uh, of that. Are you standardising the size of the roadside tribute?
7: Yeah, um, there's there's dimensions set out in, in the bylaw okay. um, and again it's just basically to have something that's going to be similar across the bill and again these will be done in a sympathetic approach with the families and we will try and meet their requests as as much as possible. But it's to simplify it and also, again, given where it's going to be located, you can't bring a, a big memorial. So it's to give everybody an equal, I suppose, opportunity to have something there but that will be standardised and equal across the board.
3: And obviously then it'll be as close to the site of where the accident happened, but it may not necessarily be right on the spot on the side of the road. But well,
7: you'll make the application to the, the local area engineer they will come out and look at the location and if the engineer sees the location to be safe the family can erect the memorial there at that location but if there is uh, a risk uh, to health at that location they will accommodate the family and try and find a suitable location a safe location but as close as is possible to the location where the fatality took place and unfortunately Patricia, as you well know, we had 19 lost their lives on Irish roads last year yeah. 19 to Mary, too many and certainly a family does not want to go to that on a second time, so again, it's just to safeguard um, families if they want to visit a memorial say on an anniversary
3: And up to now, um, Declan has there been any permission needed to erect a roadside memorial?
7: No, families just went oh. about themselves uh, and again this policy or this bylaw isn't going to affect any existing um, roadside memorial. Okay. It's only in the event, obviously, any new one from now on will have to go through this process of an application. But in the event, if the county council have to carry out roadworks or um, if it has to be moved temporarily, um, the council will put it back um, and they will cover the cost of that once it's somewhere um, a nominal fee. And if it's not suitable to put it back, they will work with the families to agree on a more suitable and safer location to put that memorial back where it was.
3: You will often see as you mentioned an anniversary or maybe the loved one's birthday or recently at Christmas you'll often see floral tributes that are placed at these memorials. Can people continue to do that?
7: Well obviously um, in the event of a fatality again part of the grieving process families will want to visit that Actual site and place flowers, and and that is permissible because it, it's how families deal with such a, a tragedy. And it's in the events of a family wanting to put something permanent in place that they would have to go through this process. But yes, floral displays are allowed. But it, it's soft ties, candle holders, and the best example like this Patricia is that on a windy day, if you have a soft tie or something that can be that can be blown over, if that blows out onto the road or rolls across the road, and a motor has to swerve to avoid it again, you have the potential for another accident to happen. It's something that's not going to pose a risk or a danger to motorists. But yes, within reason, the oral displays will be allowed. But if they are excessive, the council will come in and they'll remove those. But again, it will be um, families will be notified and the reason given as to why they are being removed. But something practical and small.
3: Um, will be allowed. Okay, I remember uh I it was a number of years ago now, coming around a bend on a very rural road, and there had been one of these um, tributes uh, placed on the side of the road. And obviously, it had been around an anniversary or some or, or some or, or some occasion, and there was helium balloons. But they had blown as I came around the bend. The, there was wind, and the helium balloons were being blown over on top of the car. But it was just the fright I got, because yeah. that's not something you expect when you come around a bend.
7: And and that's what this policy is devised, is to avoid those uh, incidents whereby there can be distraction to motorists. And, of course, we all understand many of your listeners out there this morning will have gone through this, unfortunately. And many of your your listeners won't want to go through this. But if they do, um, this, this policy is there to safeguard existing motorists, but also to safeguard those families to help them with the grieving process, but to do so in a safe manner that is not going to cause another accident or another fatality. And, and just to point out, there is a window of two years so if, if somebody gets fatally injured a family or next of kin has two years to meet the application to Cork County Council to erect a, a, a roadside memorial.
3: Okay, alright. Have we is have we any idea on the number of memorials already in place across the county? Not at the moment. No. We're,
7: we're in the process of finding out exactly how many oh, are, 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 are in place. So if the Interesting to see um, how many are there, but again, it's, it's, I, I hope listeners will understand it's not clamping down, it's just to put a measures in place to allow families to grieve in a safe manner and to acknowledge obviously, where a loved one has lost their lives, and it's in no way against this, it's just to support and make sure it's done in a safe manner.
3: Okay, okay, so and how would people apply for the permission?
7: You, again, you can contact Cork County Council, your local municipal district, there's a very simple um, application form about two pages just uh, about a, a taking exercise then the local engineer will make contact with you and go through the process and uh, agree a plan in uh, where the, 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 the location is and the, the, the type and design of the memorial
3: Okay, alright, okay, listen uh, good to hear from you, we're going to be after 12 I'll have John Paul in the studio, we'll be looking at the the figures for COVID-19 for the last uh, two weeks It's been a huge spike in, in West Cork over Christmas, um, Declan
7: Huge. Um, huge. Uh, we were hoping that 2021 was going to be the dawn of, of, of a new year and, and, and back to normality. But I, unfortunately, I, I think we, we, we left our guard down around Christmas time. And it has been the perfect storm. You had Christmas coming in, the new strain of the virus. Uh, and again, the announcement of the vaccine coming. I in those three things, we kind of left our guard down. And, and yes, I agree. This strain is a lot more virulent, it's a lot more contagious, but I think we have to get back to basically adhering to the guidelines, stay at home, because if we don't, this is, it is out of control as it is, but we have to, for the sake of our health system and the people that are in hospital, that they can be treated properly. I, I'm just appealing to the public, just for the next number of weeks, to get this under control, please just stay at home, because it's not worth the risk. We have left our guard down and we have to put our guards back up to ensure that we can come out of this. And the vaccines are being rolled out, but it's going to take months. And even though people will get the vaccine, they're still carriers. So the people that don't or haven't got a DH4 vaccine, they're still susceptible to the virus. So we have to be very careful. Even though we get it, we are still carriers of the virus. So my appeal is to people, please stay at home and, and do your bit. We're in this together. And again, it's about just basically manning up to the fact this is out there. We can't see it, but it, it's everywhere. And unfortunately, West Cork is, is particularly bad at the moment.
3: Yeah, and it, it's so disappointing because it was an area, as one of your do- one of the West Cork doctors said, was practically zero COVID. Uh, You know, was there was areas that literally had no COVID cases at all, and then suddenly to see this massive surge, it really is massive. Okay, listen, uh, Declan, stay safe and you uh, and thanks for joining us uh, good morning to you that is uh, bye bye West Cork uh, Independent uh, Councillor Declan Hurley 1850 333103 John Paul taking your calls you can text her whatsapp 0862103103 couple of texts I just saw coming in there on about the vaccination somebody is saying what's the story with post men and post women they are calling to rakes of houses and homes every day surely they are also affected Effectively, frontline workers says Dan. When are they going to be uh, vaccinated? And another texter uh, says, "Where is it gone?" Um, Asher, this is uh, Ireland, where the vaccines are concerned. It'll be who you are and who you know for the distribution policy it would be naive to think otherwise says this texture. not a thought for the poor factory workers funding the Exchequer and risking their lives working uh, close beside each other every day and in many cases poorly ventilated conditions they were at very high risk it was proven in the earlier phase at the meat factories and car part manufacturing plants what about factory uh, workers I take it factory workers will fall into the second group group which are going to be vaccinated between April and June it's key workers and those in crowded environments I take it key workers will certainly cover the postmen and women and those in crowded environments will certainly cover those who are working in the factories that that person is uh, describing who are, you know, on top of each other. It's impossible for them to be in a ventilated, uh, in, it's impossible uh, to ventilate that building properly if it's a, if it's a big, big building. Uh, so I'm assuming it's the second group, first group have been done between now and the end of uh, March, which is basically really only the frontline staff, those are residents and staff in nursing homes and those over over 70. Then it's the second group will be done then from 1st of April to the end of June which is the other healthcare workers and as I say the key workers in those in crowded environments uh, so it's a wait unfortunately 1850-333-103 John Paul taking your calls
2: Cork today on C103 With McCroom
4: Motors leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota See MacrooMotors.com
3: A broadcaster and journalist Bibi Baskin along with her publisher Number One Books have launched an extremely kind initiative to provide each of the residents in Irish nursing homes with a free copy of Bibi's latest book. And I'm delighted to say Bibi Baskin joins me. Good morning to you, Bibi. Good morning, Patricia. You're very welcome to the programme. This really is such a generous offer. Talk to me about how and why you decided to come up with this.
8: Well, you know, nursing homes in particular have suffered so greatly in these COVID times. And Michael Mulcahy, who's behind the number one uh, media group, also number one book, he he and I got together after we had published The Happy Book, which came out just before Christmas. In fact, you and I spoke about it.
3: We did, indeed.
8: Yeah, we did. And so then we got to thinking, what could we do, what use could we put it to, uh, to benefit in particular those special residents in nursing homes, because they are special. And, um, I think they've suffered a lot from fear and worry and being unwell and lonely as well, I would think, came into it. So it's a very tough time. And we thought, yeah, if we could only find a way uh, to get a complimentary copy to all of them in all of the nursing homes. Now, that's a big dream and a big ambition. For people, yeah,
3: yeah. Because, because it isn't, It isn't because when, when I saw the suggestion first, I thought it was maybe sending one copy of the book to each nursing home, and that in itself would have been a big task. But you're mm-hmm. hoping, and Michael's hoping, to get every resident their own copy.
8: Yeah, but we need a little support in order to make that happen. We also considered doing the one copy Per nursing home, but we thought that could create headaches, you know, for the staff and everything else. Yeah, yeah. So we we thought let's try to be a bit bigger. But in order to make it happen, what we need is to find a sponsor who is a business company who's functioning within that same community as the nursing home and who, therefore, let's say if it were a supermarket or maybe a chemist or anything for that matter but that they would most likely know that resident in the nursing home yeah, and know their family and know their friends. So it would kind of create and enhance a greater sense of community spirit as well. So that's what we're on the hunt of at the moment.
3: Okay, and has anybody come forward yet in different areas? Yes, we have two. Brilliant. I don't think I have permission to say. Okay, it, but okay. we do have two and they're both done caught.
8: i am to say. Yeah. Because
3: yeah. Um, I'm, there's over 30,000 residents, isn't it? Is is the current total? Yeah, yeah, it's massive. It's yeah. massive. And it's it's the happy book, as you say. We did speak about it before Christmas. Just remind listeners what the happy book is all about.
8: The happy book is, is really all about little tips and techniques that you can practice on a daily basis to increase your happiness. In a nutshell, that's it. So I, I wrote this during the first lockdown because, you know, there were very strange times. And I thought not everybody is going to find it as easy as I do, uh, because I did find the lockdowns easy. And that's what prompted me to think about the topic of the happy book. So it's a collection of little quotes that I've created, all of which can contribute uh, to your general happiness. Here's one. May I read you one? Please do. Please do. I wrote, uh, create your own mantra. Here's an example. Today, I'm not going to worry about me. Now, I think that's a good little bit of guidance in that, isn't
3: it? And just throughout the day, let that run through your mind. Today, I'm not going to worry about about me.
8: me. And you wake up in the morning and you just Plug it into your mind, yeah. first thing, before those anxieties and worries can creep in. And my God, they move fast, the anxieties, and no the worries. So let's reframe our minds from the minute we have the get-up to go, and that's today, I'm not going to worry about me.
3: Okay, there's one for everybody listening. That's your <laughs> mantra. Your mantra for for today. What reaction do you, have you been getting to the book, uh, Bibi?
8: Oh, absolutely lovely reaction. Yeah, and uh, surprisingly, coming from all arts and parts, uh, people will say that it cheers them up. That they're finding it's a bit tough going at the moment. People will say, "I just keep it around me, and I dip into it whenever I feel the need for something cheerful." Somebody else says, I keep it in the handbag. It's a nice size into the hand yeah
3: it is it is and it's it's a lovely one to have on a bedside locker beside the bed because it's small it's not cumbersome or in inside in your handbag yeah it's a it's a Very it's it's, it's, yeah. a, it's a it's a it's a great size um yeah. a book now when I spoke with you before Christmas when we were chatting about uh, your new book you mentioned that you were about to set up a group online for <laughs> meditation and yeah. happiness and this positivity that you exude right. if you we could buy <laughs> bottle it and sell it, Baby Baskin, <laughs> we'd be very rich. You've, you, you've managed to get that off the ground? That's
8: up and running now. It's not quite two weeks old yet, okay. one and a half. And, yeah, and, you know, we do these things in the group, like on a Monday, we have a Mindful Monday. That's just a Facebooky type title to put on it. We have a Wellness Wednesday. And on Friday, today... We have a fab Friday in which we in the group write about some particularly lovely thing that happened to us this week, and we give gratitude for it. And today, I find myself writing about the very thing that you're talking about, Patricia, that lovely compliment you've given me. I said different people have different types of energies around them. Some exude happiness. Some exude an aura of calm. And then there's a few miserable gits as well. (laughs) So I'm very glad... (laughs) I'm very glad I'm not in the last one, you (laughs) think.
3: By by the way, what do you do about the miserable gits? Because by God, we all know them. Do you you give them a wide berth?
8: I, I think, honestly, there are different times in life, different stages, when we're open to salvation, as it were. And there are other stages... Where we're totally shut off, and you could knock on that door till your knuckles are bare, and still you won't make any real transformation on those people. So the timing has to be right. The timing more than anything else.
3: Yeah, because like you know, there's certain people. Like I always love to surround myself with positive people. This is uh, whenever I can, and you know, there are certain people. If you want to be cheered up, you can ring a certain friend who you oh, yeah. know is going to be great. And then there's other people, family members and friends. You go, oh God, I have to make the phone call and you're dreading it. But you do it. You do it because yeah. you, you, you become the bigger person. Did, did India and going to India at the age of 50, did that, yeah. did that change you and make you into this positive person that you are today?
8: I would say it enhanced it and it increased it, but that was a process, or as the young ones call it nowadays, a journey. I don't like that word, Patricia. D- no. Everybody's on a journey and some of them are hardly out of nappies, you know. <laughs> but I, I started that, that whole study uh, when I was still in RTE in Dublin. I was about 38. Uh, and as you say, I went to India when I was 50. I wanted which was, was, sorry, which was a very yeah.
3: brave thing to do.
8: Didn't a bit of it. I thought nothing of it.
3: Yeah, I think most I was, people would see it as very brave, very courageous. But I was going in pursuit of happiness. I wanted a change in my
8: life. And I knew that the world has a whole load of stuff to offer. And I wanted to get a little nibble at it. So fear didn't come into it.
3: And you found happiness in India.
8: I did. I loved it. I was there, as you may know, for 15 years. And it taught me a lot of the things that I now subscribe to, new things uh, that I needed to know, like there's no point in rushing. And yet, here in Ireland, people are still rushing, even though the offices are closed and all sorts of places are closed, still rushing mad and not enough time in the day. That will only wear them out in the end.
3: And people in India don't rush.
8: No, they don't. Oh, let me tell you, when we had lovely, (coughs) pardon me, when we had lovely, rich, middle-class, white, it can be said, guests, Yeah. and I was trying to train up our beloved Indian staff, and I would say to them, my God, this only now to the staff that I really adored and got on with, and they'd stayed with me for a long time. I'd say to them, because it was a tropical climate, it was 30 degrees the whole year round, I'd say guys, you don't know cold and you don't know quick. <laughs> and they would laugh at me and it worked a bit some of the time. <laughs> but no, everything's at a very slow pace.
3: Yeah, yeah. there's, some, there's something, I think they've, they've tapped into something very sensible. We all need to uh, slow it down. Somebody says how can we sign up for BB's uh, Facebook page?
8: Oh right. Um, well, it, there's a little introductory thing, www.bbshappyplace.ie. ie. And also my own timeline is there on Facebook, so they can contact me there.
3: Okay, and are you doing meditations? Do you lead meditations?
8: Yes, I do. You see, I started with beginners yeah. last week, and just this evening I'll be posting Meditation for Anxiety. I find it really helpful.
3: Yeah, and a lot of people, God knows, are suffering from uh, meditation. And as you said at the outset, you're one of the few people that I know, you love the lockdowns. You actually, you're comfortable in your own skin and you're comfortable with your own company. Very. Now,
8: that doesn't mean that I don't have an understanding or a sympathy for all the people who are suffering. And suffering they are. I mean, homeschooling for kids, himself or herself, not going off to the office, tripping each other up, and that's really a part of it. Uh, so I do have great sympathy. For me personally, uh, it's very easy for me to be alone. But that's, where,
3: but that's where, for people who are not coping with it, uh, baby, something like the meditation, yeah. the mindfulness, that can really, it really does help.
8: It really does help. We just mentioned a mantra there. Uh, one of the things I'm trying to do in the group uh, I'm about to post it probably next week morning routine the things you can do when you're waking up that will just frame your day. Uh, so there's lots of good stuff I think in that little group.
3: Yeah, okay listen good luck with that and uh, good luck with the, um, once again well done on this offer for the complimentary books uh, the happy right. book to, uh, to all of the nursing home uh, residents. Look after yourself stay safe safe. and for today we're not, I'm not going to worry about me. Mayan Van, good woman, and thank you. Some of your texts coming in, Patricia. Well done in your coverage on the Mother and Baby Homes uh, Commission report uh, yesterday. But what about the many thousands of pregnant and unmarried girls and young women who went to England uh, because of the vicious small-town gossip and pressure at the time? Uh, thanking you it signed R B in uh, County Cork. Actually, the Commission's report does deals with women that went to young women that went to England. I think the. I think it was 2,500 were what was called repatriated. If any of the young women got either got pregnant over in England or came from Ireland over to England in order to try and hide the pregnancy, if the Catholic Church got wind that there was a young Irish girl pregnant, they were shipped back home, and the government ended up paying the re, what was called repatriation of these young pregnant girls uh, in England. And many of those then were sent straight to a mother and baby home. And they do feature, they do feature in the commission's report. But you're right, there were many more who managed to hide away and didn't their families never found out and who remained in England and all oh, we can hope is that they had a good life uh, over there but um, for many of them it probably wasn't a good life uh, thank you for your text to 0862 103, 103 going to take a break we've news at 12 midday on the way
2: Court today on C103 with McCroom Motors leading the way
4: for Toyota hybrids the place to order your 211 Toyota see com.
3: A couple of people on saying how much they enjoyed our chat with Bibi Baskin. Thank you for that. Somebody's saying, can you, get, can you buy Bibi's book, her happy book, in a bookshop in uh, Mallow? No. Uh, you, the only way you can get Bibi's book is online at bbbaskin.ie. If you go onto her website, uh, you're able to order the books there. Someone else was on James and Cloyne saying, lovely to hear Bibi on the show today. I used to always enjoy her on TV and watched her TV show. I actually have a video, says James, of one of her TV shows. I still have it here at home. Oh, I should be thrilled uh, to hear that. Her positivity is always so fantastic and almost infectious which is what God knows what we need at the moment. Now we've had a couple of people on about water supply in Glamworth and Lily actually uh, also contacted the C103 Cork Facebook page on this uh, to say that the good people in the village of Glamworth have been without water for three days and Irish Water telling them the water won't be back until five o'clock today so there'll be four days without water in the middle of a pandemic, says Lily. It is ridiculous. No frequent updates from Irish Water. It is a joke. Can you mention it please on your programme uh, today? And we did and we also got on to Irish Water who say, unfortunately to the good people of Glanworth, yet another burst water main in the area and it's following the cold weather last week and number of pipes have burst and they just get one fixed and another one goes and they'll fix that and another one goes and just, it just goes to show how much investment we need in this country in our very very old pipes and they really need to be looked at. Okay, A lot of commentary coming in about the M20 motorway that we discussed earlier on in the programme with Dee Hosford, because today is the last day if you want to put in a submission. Let me give you some of your thoughts uh, coming in on uh, this. A number of emails into Patricia at c103.ie I'll take a look at some of the emails. Connor says, I think we may have to mobilise Siri O'Connor and our younger environmentalists to help lead this fight against another motorway when we can use the existing N20 road and use the spare investment money to create greenways and better train networks. The younger generation will have to live with these planning mistakes. I wish the no to the Navy route all the very best uh, Quiva says, do the road planners know that in the area where the Navy route was proposed it has otters, owls red squirrels and lots of other species that we need to be supporting. Why take the risk on the environmental impact when there is an option to use the concrete structures that are already exist on the N20? I will connect with other young people who care about our land and I will support the no to Navy group and other groups. Enough is enough. Brian says in relation to the M20 motorway between Blarney and Rathodough why would you spend between 100 and 150 million euro on a 10-kilometre section to save about 60 to 90 seconds drive time. Imagine what you could do with this money. They could address any remaining safety concerns with minimum investment and use the money for housing, hospitals, sports, etc. This is a crazy waste of taxpayers' money. No to the Navy. We're with you all the way. Uh, Deirdre says, we want to applaud, applaud the No to the Navy group for raising the waste of land and money to the wider public. The planners are non-imaginative in their proposals and have no issue with wasting our money on proposing routes that will ruin our green rolling hills forever when there is a road in place already. And Dara says the Navy... Route and any route not utilizing the lands and road structures that we already have, i.e., the N20, sounds like the biggest waste of time and money. I see Michael Collins in Limerick has come out against the motorway and also backs upgrading the existing N20 corridor. Can you let the Navy guys know that we are with them and we will back them too? And that's from Dara. And I'm assuming Dara is emailing us and listening to us in Limerick. Okay, that's just a small section of the emails that we have received to Patricia at c103.ie and other thoughts coming into the programme. On the roadside memorials that we also addressed and the new bylaws that have been introduced by Cork County Council. Liz reckons on these roadside memorials surely she says a black cross should suffice. She doesn't think that there should be any of these memorials, just put up a black cross. Tim feels pretty much the same. He says there shouldn't be any memorials to accident victims on the roadside. Surely a graveyard memorial should be enough. And Jane in Longover says I don't think they should be allowed at all. They're dreadful, says Jane. They cause accidents. People should grieve at the graveside and not the roadside I do feel sorry for these people and there can be terrible accidents but the side of the road is simply the wrong place to put up these uh, memorials okay that's some of your thoughts on that this one um This is on the COVID-19. This is a high, Patricia, in regards to West Cork and the high numbers in West Cork. It was too many parties and too many people coming from the city and outside the area coming to West Cork that brought COVID with them over Christmas. Morning, Patricia. France have just announced that they're bringing in a very strict curfew from 6pm this evening onwards to try to stop the spread of COVID-19. Many other countries are taking action, action now against the Brazilian strain, which has been identified this week but no in Ireland we seem to once again be sitting on the fence correct me if I'm wrong but do we not have a large amount of workers from South Africa in the meat industry what is wrong with this country I would gladly obey a curfew if it meant progress later in the year uh, the Brazilian strain has been or was, it was the South African strain has been identified in three people that travelled from South Africa and obviously when they said they travelled from South Africa they checked uh, all three cases and unfortunately all three must have had COVID-19 we have haven't as of yet had uh, a Brazilian strain of the, vi- the virus, but that's not to say we won't. There was a time up to before Christmas we didn't have the UK strain and now 50% of our cases are coming from UK. I know in England they've banned all travel from South America into the UK because for fear of the Brazilian strain arriving and if they've done that we don't have any direct flights between any parts certainly Brazil or any parts of South America they would all have to come through England so and of course we now know that everybody arriving from tomorrow will have to have a negative Covid test but as somebody pointed out it doesn't stop people travelling from Belfast does it no it doesn't. Uh, here's one that made me smile Donald says and this is on the planned crematorium that we spoke about earlier and it's fumes Donal says, well, when I'm dead and gone, I wouldn't want anyone to be exposed to my gases and fumes because I already expose lots of people to my awful gases and my flatulence as it is. And I'm doing that while I'm living, living," says Donal. (laughs) adding a bit of light to our crematorium discussion uh, earlier. Uh, John says, Patricia, did you hear on the news last night that the guards fined 23 people for breaching the five kilometre rule? You're not allowed to travel five kilometre rules uh, away from your home. God help us. There was 23 people alone in Crosshaven uh, all down from the city on Sunday morning and not one fine was handed out. You never see a guard in a back road. It's all the main roads where they are seen. Who's kidding? Who says uh, uh, John? And I saw this in the papers today. They were talking about some of the people that they'd handed fines out. I didn't realise the number was only uh, 23. Yeah, you think it would be. Well, maybe this is only the start of it. Remember, it's only since Monday that they started bringing in this €100 Euro fixed, no, fixed penalty notice. So maybe the numbers will increase. There was one checkpoint in Ringsend in Dublin and the driver of the vehicle stopped by officer said he and his two passengers they admitted had travelled from County Meath to collect burgers from a takeaway restaurant (laughs) unreal Uh, all three were fined uh, 100 euros uh, and were sent back home I don't think they got their burgers they were 80 kilometres from their home because they just fancied a burger from this particular takeaway in Dublin. Crazy stuff. At a checkpoint outside Cork City, a man and a woman, not from the same household, were stopped while driving. Now, they claimed to be travelling to visit an elderly relative, but on completion of their checkpoint duties later, the officers patrolled a local amenity car park. Lo and behold, didn't they find the same driver who had not travelled to visit an elderly a relative and had no reasonable excuse for being outside the 5 kilometer limit for physical exercise. Both were issued with fixed penalty notices. And then two cyclists were stopped near Carrick in Galway and when they were asked their address it turned out they were 19 kilometres from home They were fined. And in another county, um, um, while in North Dublin, four people were seen leaving. This is an interesting one. They were seen leaving the rear of a gym. All gyms are closed at the moment. Further examination included speaking with two gym instructors who said they were working from the gym as they had no internet at home uh, to conduct their online sessions. The Gardaí gave them all, all six the four who left and the two who were inside they were all given fixed penalty uh, notices so rather than criticise the card they for only handing out 23 maybe it's the case that they're just highlighting 23 but they, but even yesterday Sergeant Ian O'Callaghan or Inspector Ian O'Callaghan on our guard, the file said we are from this week doing it so so you could be stopped if you're outside your 5 kilometres, and you can expect a fixed penalty notice of €100 uh, Euro. and I just want to give a mention because I know we had a couple of calls in about this earlier. Uh, Patricia talking of crowds of funerals and just I'm just trying to imagine the crowd that would have been at the late Eamon Ryan's funeral if COVID restrictions weren't in place. As he was a true gentleman and so humble and a genius of a coach who got the very best out of his players and not having to use any swear words either and I loved his motto to his players he used to say you need to have small asses and small heads meaning to stay fit and don't let success go to your head which certainly worked well for the Cork ladies team, as they won ten All Ireland titles in eleven years and ten Munster titles and nine league titles, which was some record, and it will never be bettered by any team. Sympathies to his wife and family. May he rest in peace. And that's from Jim in Weyland. Thank you for that, uh, Jim. And there was a number, a number of other people on air earlier as well, saying that they just wanted to extend deepest, deepest sympathies to Eamon Ryan's family and the Cork ladies footballers on his passing yesterday and there was such an outpouring of love for this man and you could see it yesterday when the news was announced that Eamon had passed away the Glenville Watergrass Hill man led the Rebels to their first All-Ireland title in 2005 and nobody could have predicted at that time that the incredible run that they would have over the next uh, 10 seasons and then of course when he left the the women's set up at the end of 2015, he was part of the backroom team for the men's setup between 2015 and 2018. And I thought the Cork uh, LGFA in their tweet yesterday, were you know they were devastated with the news, and you know and uh, and having heard that he would passed on to his eternal rest, they said he was a legend in his own lifetime, and that's that's exactly uh, what he was. That's the late Eamon Ryan. Uh, may he rest in peace.
2: The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, supporting
4: businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. And
3: the staff of Daily Industrial Supply Company, they're aiming to collectively walk, run, cycle, hike, and swim 1,200 kilometres during the month of January. It's an effort to raise money for the Cork Simon community. You can donate. To through their Just Giving page. If you have any community diary item that you would like us to include, any fundraiser, any activity happening in your community, let us know. You simply email info at c103.ie.
2: Court today on C103
4: with McCroom Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See
3: Thursday evening is when the government released the figures for the local electoral area just showing the spread of COVID-19 across the different local electoral areas right across uh, the country. We always focus obviously on uh, Cork. Uh, John Paul takes a look at the figures for us. Good afternoon to you John Paul. Good afternoon John Paul. Good afternoon, <laughs> If I press the right button, it would help. He's now, because of COVID-19, is in a separate room to me. OK, now we did predict this time last week when we were looking at figures and they were quite high uh, for Cork after Christmas, we did predict that this week's were going to be worse because we knew that the previous week the figures had been very high for Cork. So that's why these figures today are high. We are just hoping that this time next week we should see these numbers going down because the numbers were less this week because these are the figures up to and uh, Monday. Uh, so they're not taking in Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursdays where the numbers were down for Cork. So we can expect next week an improvement on this. Yeah. Okay, so this, this is for the two weeks up to the 11th, which is Monday
9: that's it so okay. the, we, we, as you said there, there was going to be an increase considering the numbers we saw last week but hopefully next week these will have uh, reduced well let's start in Bantry and this is the Bantry electoral area here you're taking in a drimley Castletown Bear and the peninsulas of Mizzen and At uh, last week we had 201 cases here this week it now was at 359 in Bantry to the Skibbereen area which takes in Dunmanway Ross Carberry Skibbereen Banleen and the Clonakilty areas last week 153 this week that has increased to 432 in the Skibbereen area and to the Bandon Kinsale area here. Uh, you're looking at Timaleague, Kilbriton, Cross Barry, In a Shannon, some parts of Noos Town and the Kinsale and Belgoolie areas. Uh, last week this was at three hundred and fifty. And now this week it has increased to seven hundred and fifty, and that is one of the highest areas right across Cork City and indeed Cork County. That's a
3: real scary figure. It was high last week as mm-hmm, well. We, we we highlighted it as one of the highs, but huge, huge jump uh, Huge there. numbers
9: in the Abandoned and Kinsale areas which again take in other uh, yeah, villages it's a big in that area. area. It's, it's, a, a big it's a big area. area yeah, yeah, But huge numbers. Uh, to Carrigaline, then where here you're looking towards uh, Myrtleville, Baddick Garvin, Ring of Skiddy and Crosshaven. Last week 250 cases. This week 516 in the Carrigaline area. And let's go into the city where we look at the southwest ward here. This is Ballincolig, Wilton, Correheen and areas of Toker. Last week There was 233. This week in the southwest of the city, it's 771 cases. To the south central area of the city, where you were in Turner's Cross, the Kinsale Road area, and Toker, last week 255 cases. That has increased to 624 this week. And to the southeast of the city, where we're in Douglas, Mahan, and Rochestown, they had 509 last week in this area of the southeast of the city. That has increased to one thousand and forty-nine this week, so they are the highest. And they only in the and, city, and they were the
3: highest last
0: week as and well. they were the
9: highest in, the, yeah. in that area last week, yeah. And then crossing the river to the northeast, where we're in Tivoli, Montanati Glamire and Mayfield, last week two hundred cases. That has increased to six hundred and three this week. And to the northwest of the city, in Blarney, Knocknahinny, Holly Hill, and the Sundays Well area, one hundred and seventy-three last week. The figures have increased to 529 this week. So, back now to the county again, and we'll be in McCroom and the McCroom local electoral area. That takes in the likes of Coachford, Mill Street, Ballingiri, uh, Crookstown, Coulee, Kilmurray, Inchigil and all these areas. Last week, 104 cases. That has increased to 342 this week. And to Canturk, uh, taking in the towns of Charnival, New Newmarket, also Bally Desmond, Tuddy the Jemina, Cullen, and the Kilcorny areas. Last week, there was 85 uh, confirmed cases. That has increased to 233 this week. And over to Mallow, uh, and again, a broad area, looking from New Two House to Bowien to Ballyclog, Lantan, Drumahan and the Grenade areas, Last week in, in this area, 126 confirmed cases. That has increased to 344. And to Formoy, where you're, again, a broad area, looking from Donerill, Shamballymore, to Kilworth, Rathcormack, Castle Lines, and taking in Mitchellstown also. And last week, the confirmed cases here was 200. That has increased to 507 this week. And to Cove, which goes from Carrick Navarre, uh, via Watergrass, to Carrick The confirmed cases there last week were 203. This week, for the Cove local electoral area, that has increased to 465. And finally, to Middleton, where in this area you're looking at Yall, and Yall Klein, Shanagarry, Ballycotton Ladies Bridge Dungourney and Ballymacoda last week 109 confirmed cases that has increased to 364 confirmed cases this so, week so
3: every area either doubled tripled or even quadrupled their yeah. numbers in uh, some areas hopefully we will never be reporting cases as high as that again as I say this time next week we definitely should see a lower boring Should be of those, uh, of those uh, figures. Stay home folks. Uh, John Paul thank you for that uh, you. and uh, we'll do it all over again next uh, for next Friday with uh, John Paul. Uh, Pat in Bantier says Patricia our vaccine rollout is pathetic at this rate it'll take three years for everyone to get vaccinated. Well no they gave a timeline yesterday. Pat saying they they are planning, powers that be, government and they have a Minister for State for Public Procurement. Oshin Smith is telling us that everyone who wants to be vaccinated, will be vaccinated by September. Now I, I will straight away say a lot of that hinges on the AstraZeneca vaccine that we have a huge, huge order in for. Once AstraZeneca get the go ahead and it's expected to get the go ahead at the end of January, another two weeks uh, to wait on that, we will then be doubling the number of vaccines. At the moment we're doing the 55 Fifty thousand a week is what we're doing at the moment, and it'll be well over a hundred thousand a week when the AstraZeneca one is ro- rolled out. So let's stay positive on uh, that one. Hi, Patricia. I must travel more than five kilometres. I need to get medication. I also need to get some food. Will I be fined? I only go out every two weeks. Signed, worried. Please don't be worried about that. The people that are being fined for going outside the five kilometres are deliberately breaching the five kilometre rule. You are allowed to travel outside your five kilometres, and even if you are stopped by the guard, the. Included on the list, you're allowed to go out for shopping, you're allowed to go out for medication, exactly what you're saying there. There is a full list. People travel outside the five kilometres, people who are going to work, uh, people who are attending medical uh, appointments, people who are attending Disability Day services, if you need to attend court please God you won't you can do that people also if you need to provide care for children or you're going to visit elderly or vulnerable people you can go but food shopping is, uh, is on it so, so don't worry at all if you stop by the Gardaí they're not out to find everyone but they're out to catch people who are lying to them like the couple that said they were out visiting they were going to visit an elderly relative and they weren't they were going out to do exercise they were going to a local amenity and they were outside of five kilometres they're the people they're trying to 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 catch are those morons who thought it was okay to travel 80 kilometres to get takeaway food, because you are allowed to travel to get takeaway food, but you go to your nearest takeaway, you don't go 80 kilometres just because you like the taste of that burger. Utter, utter stupidity. Hi, uh, Patricia, this is with regard to roadside memorials. Uh, I lost one of my family a few years ago, and when I go there to the roadside memorial, uh, I always feel very near to them compared to visiting the graveyard. I feel their spirit is there. It's just a simple cross and a little flower bed. But I believe that his spirit lies there, seeing as that was where he drew his last breath. Oh, isn't that just heartbreaking? And I was very conscious, actually, when we were having our chat with Declan Hurley of family members listening who had lost loved ones on, on, in horrific road traffic accidents that we've had uh, in this country and particularly in this uh, county. And it's one thing that the Councillor at to point out, they don't want to upset uh, anyone, but it's just going forward now. They want to keep everybody uh, safe. And I absolutely can understand and identify and un- and i w- not identify, but I certainly can understand why you feel closest to where the person passed away. Why you feel that that is the point where you feel closest uh, to that person. I absolutely can uh, can understand uh, that. And as I say. Your little memorial won't in any way be touched. Any of the existing ones will remain in uh, place. And we hope you're doing well and uh, stay safe. Then Mary says, Patricia, do you or any of your listeners know why we are back to signing again for our pensions, seeing as the virus is far from gone? We haven't signed since the first lockdown. Why now? Have other people noticed that? Hmm, I was unaware. Is that in every single post office? I mean, I'm assuming it is. It wouldn't just be one post office deciding uh, to uh, do it. Uh, we'll get on to on post and find out because they don't want people sharing pens. It's one of the things. I mean, even when you're at work, you're told not to share pens. And if you're in, I know certainly in the credit union in Mallow, I know this because my niece works there, and they have to use pens because people need to sign various things when they're doing their business in the credit union. And they, sanitise all of the pens so they have a bunch where the pens have been sanitised and then they so when you pick up a pen in the credit union in Malone I'm, su- I'm assuming this is all credit unions It's a, it's a sanitised pen so I don't know what's going on where Mary's talking about are they are there individual pens there for everyone or is it one pen that everybody is uh, using? We'll check with them post just to see if they change their rules uh, on that because it's usually electronically you're signing isn't it on the screen so you have to hold the special stylus that comes with the little machine. Uh, anyway, let let, let let us look into it. 1850 uh, 333 103. Uh, John Paul, taking your calls. You can text our, our WhatsApp to oh eight six two one zero three one zero three. Let's take a break, then we're back talking movies with Mark
4: Malone.
2: Cork today on C one zero three
4: with Macroom Motors leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your two eleven Toyota. See This
10: is the Cork Today replay on C one zero three.
11: Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
3: To turn our attention to movies, Mark Malone, our movie reviewer, is with us. Good afternoon, Mark. Hi, Patricia. And this week you watched Wonder Woman for us and you also watched a movie called Jiu-Jitsu. But let's start with a quick trailer from Wonder Woman.
0: Diana, your
6: time will come everything
0: will be different. One day when you're ready you'll become
3: a legend. And what a legend Wonder Woman became. (laughs) I'm of the generation where I grew up watching Wonder Woman, the series on TV. Yeah. that's, it's that Wonder Woman? Yeah, Oh, yeah, very much Except so. Except yeah. a new actress obviously. Uh,
12: exactly, yeah it's uh, Gal Gadot, uh, it's not Gadot, it's Gadot and uh, yeah I mean the thing about it is that uh, when you compare this one to the, the the first film, the first film was very very different, actually this one is all colours, it's all blues and and, and and reds and greens and yellows and I think what they tried to do is I think the director Patty Jenkins wanted it to be very similar to the TV series in fact and I think uh, she pays tribute to that, the way the film looks compared to the first film. The first film was very different, the very first film was kind of darkish it was uh, it was set in World War One and it was really entertaining. I mean, it was fabulous to watch. Great action sequences. Uh, Gal Gadot and uh, Chris Pine were great together. They had a huge amount of chemistry and it was brilliantly directed by Patty Jenkins. So we were looking forward to the next one. This is Wonder Woman 1984. She's back as uh, the director again, but unfortunately she has written this one. And I'll be brutally honest with you, it's a mess. It is really, it's all uh. over the place. Uh, there are plot holes everywhere. And I, I could see it here for the next 20 minutes, just kind of just listing the number of plot holes in this film. It is all over the place. It is a terrible mess and it's a terrible shame. There are nice parts to it, don't get me wrong, but most of it is just all over the shop.
3: Yeah, and she didn't write the first one.
12: Uh, no, she didn't write the first one, okay. but she did write this one. They are going to make a third one, uh, which makes you kind of wonder maybe if, you know, the writing duties, maybe they might take that away from her because she's a terrific director and she's very good with action, you know. And we did hear when the, they made this that there were problems, that they had to go back and they had to rewrite a lot of stuff. They had to redo a lot of, uh, of scenes. So, I mean, if they thought they had cleaned it up and made it better, you do wonder just how bad the original film was. Uh, of course, COVID put paid to this really being in the cinemas. So basically what Warner Brothers have decided to do this year is... All all their movies are now going to go on HBO Max uh, first and when they're on that pl- platform for a while then they release it to everybody else so this is now available for people like you and me to download um, Okay so
3: the storyline this is set obviously in 1984
12: Exactly yeah which is odd because it didn't necessarily have to be anywhere in 1984 because I, you really, your first thought is that you know um, um, there's going to be a lot of references to 1984 I don't know why they picked 1984 because there's no 1984 soundtrack which is the first thing you would think Yeah. Uh, but no and, and and the next thing you kind of think, well, um, you know, because Chris Pine comes back from World War One, uh, you would think there'd be some wonderful out of water, uh, fish out of water scenes, you know. And there's one where he he's up and down an escalator, and he thinks that's this is kind of amazing and fabulous. And there's very little reference to it being uh, 1984. I think possibly maybe the reason why they do it again, she wanted to pay tribute to the, the old television series,
3: which was when it was in it was in the eighties, wasn't exactly, it? When well, that yeah. was huge, yeah.
12: And also because I think that uh, it's just pre um, kind of uh, mobile. Phones and, and camera phones, and I think you know if they were to be in the 90s onwards, I think uh, it would kind of complicate uh, the look and feel of the film. So basically, the story is Pedro Pascal. Um, he has this what's what's called a wishing stone, and basically he grants the whole world one wish, which sounds a lovely idea would you like to have a wish where you know you want to live forever or you want riches of course the idea is nice but in fact it creates mayhem uh, throughout the world and by accident actually Gal Gadot as Diana Prince does wish Chris Pine and Steve Trevor to come back and he does come back but this is where it gets all a bit really weird because not only you would think if she just wishes for him to come back that it would be Chris Pine but no they do this weird quantum leap thing remember quantum leap the television series where he actually comes back but inhabits the the body of another man oh. and we know nothing about <laughs> this poor man and it's very odd so he looks in the mirror like in Quantum Leap Yeah, he sees that man we see Chris Pine as Chris Pine Yeah, and he once he adopts the character of this and the body of this man he goes to see Diana Prince taps her on the shoulder she doesn't
3: recognise she him, doesn't recognise
12: she has no idea who he is but he <laughs> says it's me it's Steve Trevor. She then she then falls back in love with him again, even though he looks completely different. I did wonder, you know, if it was, uh, I don't know, Danny DeVito walked up to her and said, oh, it's me, yeah. it's Steve Trevor. Would she have fallen in love with him, uh, you know, as easily as this very tall, handsome man? And the weird thing is that we know nothing about this man. We don't know why he was picked on like this. We don't know who he is. Did he have a wife? Did he have a child? They go and live in his apartment. They, they, they eat his food. They, they wear his clothes. And... They end up sleeping together, which, of course, starts a whole kind of moral discussion here about consent. Yeah, yeah. It's very strange. And I had my head and my hands watching this going, Did, didn't anybody spot this? Didn't anybody talk about this? And, but the film is just full of all these plot holes constantly, which make absolutely no sense. They just, at one stage, they decide to go to the Smithsonian Museum and steal a jet. As you do. As you do. <laughs> yeah. The jet is full of fuel. Why would you have a jet in a museum full of fuel? It's a yeah, bomb, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, he's a World War One pilot. So he gets in... He- to this modern uh, computer, uh, and, please, and he can suddenly and fly. He can it. Suddenly fly uh. it. So I know, like you'd say, well, Mark, you're watching a film about Wonder Woman. Yes. Surely you can turn your brain off <laughs> if if the narrative doesn't make any sense whatsoever, and it's all a load of nonsense. Yeah, the narrative
3: can, has to make sense regardless. Yeah. And it's yeah.
12: so the, the stupidity of it keeps slapping you in the face all the time. You're going, this is ridiculous, and it's a shame. It's a shame for, for two reasons. One, Gal Gadot is very good. Two, Chris Pine is very very good. Some of the quality of the um, of the CGI is not good, and I wonder. Uh, did they did they rush it out to try and get it out as quickly as possible, and uh, and in the end, apart from a couple, of, there's an hour by the way where where nothing happens. I remember I watched it with my wife, and she said, "Is anything going to happen in this film?" Because there's a lot of uh, of talk, and. Um, and there's times when it's quite boring. It's two and a half hours long too. And boy, you feel every minute of it.
3: And you don't, it doesn't need to be two and a half hours no, long. No, but there are some
12: yeah. very good action uh, sequences in it. And I think young girls will certainly love watching Wonder Woman, you
3: know. OK. Uh, wonder, And of course, a whole new generation who won't know about Wonder Woman. So, yeah. yeah. So, uh, mark it out of 10? Uh, five. Five out of 10. OK, so that's Wonder Woman 1994. Now, your second movie is described as an action comedy fa- fantasy. And it is Jiu-Jitsu. Which is a kind of... It's a martial art, isn't it? Yeah,
12: it's a bit of a uh, disappointing week again this ah. week, actually. Yeah, because this is the worst film I've ever seen. And uh, it has nothing uh, at all... I have nothing pretty much at all positive to say about it. It is such a shame. It's a terrible, terrible film. And it's, uh, it's interesting you say you described it as a comedy because that was one of my faults with the film because the film takes itself way too seriously because it's really, really low budget. And what it's trying to attempt to be is trying to attempt to be a really, really bigger film than it actually is. They, they, they filmed it in six weeks... In in Cyprus, so it was really, really quickly done. And the director is a guy by the name of Dimitri Logetas, and he—it's from his comic, and he obviously presumed he could be a director. He's not a director because it's really poor what we see on screen. But what they tried to do—they tried to make a big, big movie out of a very, very small budget, and that was never going to work. And I think that, that's a, that's a shame. And the interesting thing is the star of this film is Alan Musi, uh, who plays the character of Jake. He is not even an actor; he's a body double, uh, but he is, he's pretty good at martial arts. And when we're introduced to him in the film, he's he's in the water, he's in, he's in the ocean. He's pulled out of the ocean by a bunch of fishermen who take him back. They notice he's got two bullets in his back. They uh, tend him. When he wakes up, he realises he's got amnesia. He can't remember a thing about his past, uh, but he notices that, that he's got skills, he's got fighting skills. And you're thinking, that's the born identity.
3: That's yeah, Jason that, Bourne. Yeah,
12: yeah. And then you think, that's odd. Now, they made this in Cyprus, so all of a sudden they run around the corner and there's a forest but obviously, there's no, there's, no, there's no jungle. There's no jungles in, 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 in Cyprus. So they CGI'd the forest. And it's dreadful. And they get attacked by these, wait for this, they get attacked by space aliens who can appear <laughs> and disappear. And you're thinking, hang on a second. Um, you know, that's Predator. They just so so the the writing is incredibly lazy and the film is just full of these action sequences which go on and on and on and on and on. Now, if I was to ask you to look at the the list of the the characters and the actors and yeah. look at the poster, what do you see?
3: Uh, what do I see? Well, I, well, I see people doing. Well, you see Nicolas Cage. Nick, oh, that's Nicholas Cage. Yeah. The film. Yeah.
12: They took three, uh, six weeks to make the film in, in Cyprus. He was on screen. He was on. Sorry, he was on set for three days, so he doesn't turn up until about forty minutes into the film. I, I, I'd love to have sat there with a stopwatch and found out how much screen time Nicolas Cage has on this film. But it's being promoted as a Nicolas Cage film. If you're a Nicolas Cage fan and you're looking forward to seeing it, he is hardly in this movie at all. Yeah,
3: he's on. right, and he's he's the main one on the poster.
12: Yeah, exactly. And uh, he's hardly in the film at all because you know. Was that because of COVID? No. Because because it's money. Oh, is it okay? <laughs> he obviously did it because you know, he's got this big tax bill and so uh, I remember Saturday Night Live a couple of years ago made this joke where they kind of referenced the fact that he wants to be in every film ever made and, uh, and it seems that way but he, and, uh, you know, he might as well not have been there. The action sequences are really dull and boring. Um, an hour in, I realised I had about another 45 minutes to go and I began to question my life. I began to question what am I doing with my life? Why am I sitting there watching this nonsense uh, when I could be off doing something
3: Would, else? martial arts fans like.
12: See, see the problem is, is that I remember Jackie Chan talking about western films doing kind of kung fu movies and he said look one of the reasons why they don't work is because they're too slow and there's an awful lot of the, the action is done in slow motion and it's really boring which is a pity because they, they, they got their hands on a guy by the name of Tony Jia, who is a Hong Kong specialist. He makes great Hong Kong movies and he's very very good. So him and uh, Alan Moosey are actually very very good at what they do. The problem is, is that the director wasn't good enough to be able to kind of make it exciting. It's just... Fun. Fight after fight after fight, and it's boring as heck. And I hated it, I'm afraid. I'm sorry. Okay, and
3: the blessing is it was only one hour 45 minutes, didn't it? two and a half hours. Mark it out of 10.
12: I'll give it two for Nicolas Cage's amazing wig. <laughs> oh.
3: <laughs> OK, and the movie's called Jiu-Jitsu. All right, Mark, thank you for that. We'll chat next Friday. Thanks uh, for joining us. That is Mark Malone, our movie reviewer. Some of your thoughts coming into us. Hi, Patricia. I'm Irish and living in uh, Germany, listening to the programme. Good to have you along. Where the COVID is getting worse and worse every day, even after a 10-week lockdown. Nothing went right here in Germany. And now it's going to be extended again. And with the vaccine rollouts really slow in Germany, only 1% have been Vaccinated. I remember in Germany, eight there are eighty million people. Is there any way an Irish citizen could get vaccinated in Ireland? Question mark. Question mark. Question mark. Would like to know. Thanks from a Corkman in Germany. Stay safe and stay positive. And indeed, uh, stay safe and stay positive to you uh, as well. You have to join a long queue of people over here waiting to get vaccinated. But yeah, I did read a report online yesterday. Uh, Germany really are struggling to get the COVID under control, but really struggling with vaccines as well. I'm sure I saw. Um, the Angela Merkel is saying she's going to bypass the EU and get their own vaccines now as well because they realise it's way, way uh, too slow. We were talking about the Brazilian strain which isn't in our shores, thank God. Pat in for Moy says, Patricia, speaking about keeping the Brazilian strain out of Ireland, well I know of a Brazilian who's gone home for four weeks holidays. Wow well, that is uh, a worry and to the lady who contacted us who is afraid to go out she needs to go out at the weekend to get food and medication and she only goes out once every two weeks and gets all her bits but she's got to go outside the 5k and she was fearful that she was going to be fined and I was saying nothing at all you've nothing to worry about somebody else says, Patricia I'm so sorry to hear that last person texting about being afraid to go out just to let people know it's all a load of nonsense I'm a lorry driver on the road all day every day and people are well over their Five K. All you have to do is pass Donerel Park any evening, or especially at the weekend. It's ninety-five percent full of cars and people who are well over their five kilometres from home. Um, the guards need to be doing more. Well, let's wait and see what will happen this weekend. Will the guardy the, will they target an area an area like that because the hundred euro fixed nosed penalty only came in since uh, Monday so well, let's see uh, let's come back to me on uh, Monday and let's see will we hear of more people being fined for being outside of the 5 kilometer rule. this says, Patricia, those Covid figures that John Paul read out uh, during the programme, are they only for last week? No, they're a rolling figure for the previous two weeks, so it's a rolling figure that we get, so they drop one week and then they'll add in the following week, so it's a rolling figure, so they were the figures from the 29th of December through the 11th of January which is when we saw the biggest surge as of course as a direct result of Christmas and before Christmas people out uh, socialising so we are hoping fingers crossed that next Friday's figures uh, will have dropped because uh, people are abiding by the rules and regulations and more than anything we all just need to stay at home. Okay, that's where we leave you for today. My thanks to uh, John Paul for producing the programme and for taking the phone lines which have been incredibly busy uh, this week. Thank you to everybody who contacted the show. Uh, Nick is with you for the Afternoon. We are back with you on Monday morning at 10 o'clock. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. Look after yourself and, most importantly,
4: stay safe.
2: Court today on C103
4: with McCroom Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See Motors.com.
0: Want flexibility?
11: Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company. They offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars